This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Listeners, we're dealing with questions about church membership. And we have a question today, Michael, that's kind of taken us in a little bit different direction, sort of, kind of. The question is, can a non-church member be put under church discipline? So it's kind of interesting twist. There must be an assumption there that a church member can be put under church discipline. But what about a non-church member? It's a trick question. Yes. This is one of those moments where there are legal realities with church membership and there are precedents that are set right now legally. And then there are spiritual realities that we have to take seriously. Okay. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons membership is important is because of the transience of Christians. They go from here to there to Mm -hmm. everywhere, right? It's almost impossible to keep track of people because some people are just church hoppers. Um, Some people stay for a year and go and a year and go. And uh, and ideally, when you go to a new church, they call your former church and say, are they in good standing? But that honestly almost never happens. It doesn't happen, but I think it should. Right. Those are just some like kind of like realities of the transience of Christians. There's also this whole... I would say less mature subculture of we don't need to be members. It's not a big deal. Uh, it's not important. And, and a lot of that is a lack of training, a lack of teaching. Some of it's a lack of maturity, I would say. But so you have these like disparate issues. And so you have like somebody who is in a church, but they're not a member. They haven't committed to a church. They might just be going on a Sunday morning. They might be a spectator or a consumer mm-hmm. living in sin. And so like a village, we we understand that a whole bunch of people, the nature of American church is that people visit, people look up online and, and they come in, they just kind of like dabble on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. And so that's why membership is really important because there are so many dabblers that we want to know who's here, who can we count on when I yes. need help, when we need people, when we have problems, we need to solve them. Like, who do we go to? Who mm-hmm. are our people? That's why membership is just so invaluable for the tra- because of the nature of how big the perimeter can be. Because it's so transient and because our greatest concern is, A, with our people, yes. shepherding and loving them mm-hmm. well as stewards, and then B, with people who don't know Christ, which is a different category, this whole world of transient Christians probably isn't my greatest concern. So it is not unexpected that you have a transient Christian who has an immoral lifestyle, who's sleeping with their boyfriend, their girlfriend, or doing whatever, cheating on their taxes, lying, whatever, and they don't really get very far mm-hmm. village church. And so if we had to put every transient Christian through church discipline, it would just be be exhausting. Yeah, couldn't do it. So that's like one reality. But I think where this comes up most practically is when you have that young man, that young woman who grew up in the church, that never actually became a member. They're in their 20s. They profess Christ, and then they start becoming just liberal with their sexuality. They Mm -hmm. just start sleeping with guys or girls or dating non-Christians or these things that are clearly sin in Scripture, but they just don't care anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? So do you take this person who has maybe rootedness in your church, and they're not a member, though, so they're not— like, here's what can happen. This is the problem. This is what you protect your church from by becoming a member— when you become a member, you're not protecting them from your sin now. You're protecting them from your sin in, in the later, yep. okay? So let's say we have a uh, woman A. Um, we'll call, I don't I'm trying to think of a name <laughs> in our church. Woman A is fine. It's safe. Woman A is 22 years old and has been grown up in the church, is still attending church, and she decides to date a non-Christian guy. And then she decides deciding to have um, a sexual relationship with the non-Christian guy. Okay. Sin. Easy, mm-hmm. right? Yes. But she's not a member. So the church discipline process, before it's discipline, that's the end of it. I mean, the process is just confrontation. There's a process for discipline. So um, Billy Bob sits down with 
woman A and says, hey, this is sin. And she says, get out of my face. You're judgmental, mm -hmm. right? So then Billy mm -hmm. Bob takes the next step, which is he brings a friend in and says, hey, woman A, this is sin. She says, get out of my face. You're judgmental. Like, who are you to tell me what mm -hmm. I can do with my life? Meanwhile, she's still going to church. And then finally they say, okay, well, we're going to take this to the elders because you're part of this church. Now, remember, woman A is not a member. Not a member yet. There's no legal binding that she has to this church. So the elders come forward and they say, this is serious. Like, this is sin. You profess Christ and you're doing things that are against his word. And she says, well, I'm still going to continue to do it. Mm -hmm. So they say, well, the scriptures tell us to inform the church and, and then you can't come back here anymore. She goes to a lawyer and she sues the church for defamation of character That's or takes right. the church for millions yep. of dollars and takes them as far as we know it. Mm -hmm. That is what you want to avoid. That is not what you want to experience. Some people would say, uh, it's not your problem to worry about that. The Lord is your defender. You still got to follow biblical protocols, even if it like opens you up to a lawsuit. Here's where membership is really important. If I do that with a member, they can't sue us because they signed a contract already, agreeing to the yes. process, right? So this membership, although it's not 100% foolproof, it's like 99% foolproof, mm -hmm. right? And if we do our job according to the Constitution, then we protect the church, which is why membership is important because you're protecting the church from future use stupidity. Yes. Because we are bound by Scripture. We are bound to obey the Word of God when it comes to believers in Jesus who are living in sin. Now, that being said, um, I there's this cultural reality that I, I still don't have a clear category. It's the non-member living in sin, floating around the church. Maybe their family is there. Maybe their friends are there, but they're not really serious about the mm -hmm. Lord. I don't even know if they really understand the gospel sometimes. I'm like, if they did, would they be doing this? Maybe they have a chemical issue, a depression issue. So I don't want to be too judgy on them. Right. There might be factors deeper mm -hmm. um, that I'm aware of. And confronting them is one thing. But here's what happens. I'm going to make up a number 93% of the time. 93% <laughs> of the time when this person is told, look, we're going to take it to the elders, yeah. they leave. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah, they leave. They're off doing their mm -hmm. thing. And at that point, it's like, okay, do we publicly go before the church with a non-member, open ourselves up to that liability, and the person's gone, and everybody who's already friends with them anyways knows. That's like a challenging, yes, yes. challenging issue. And I can hear the person saying, it's not your job to worry. There are believers, so you have to confront them. And I'm like, okay, well, then where do I stop this process? Yes. Do I stop it with Susie Q, who comes in, professes the name of Christ, but's living with her non-Christian boyfriend, having sex with them? Like, is that where, do I pursue it there? Do I just ignore her because she's just another transient consumer on the perimeters mm -hmm. of the church? I mean, obviously, I want to love her, but I'm just saying yes. in terms of membership and, and pastoral authority and responsibility, if you're hearing me talk and you just think I'm a, a, an unconvicted, <laughs> weak sauce person who's just afraid. We're trying to do what is best for the person correct, and what's best for the church because as pastors and elders, one of our responsibilities as an overshepherd for our under church, shepherd. under shepherd, yeah. uh, under, under, under the, <laughs> under, Christ, under the yeah. shepherd yeah. is that we are to protect the church from not only incorrect doctrine, but overt sin. Yep. As you can elders. have good doctrine and be living in sin and you still might need to go under church discipline. Absolutely. If you don't and as elders, we have to protect the church in the sense of we cannot allow open sin to run its course throughout the church yep. without it being checked. And we have to call it out to keep the purity of the church, keep those in the church understanding, no, this is sin and we will call it out as it becomes obvious yeah. because there is a purity aspect that we are to be different mm. than our culture. Yep. We are not to be like the world. And, you know, a lot of the things that we've talked about is actually referred to in 1 Corinthians 5, where Paul is addressing an issue 
where there is sexual immorality going on in the Corinthian church. And, and Paul says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. So it's within the church yep. and the kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. And so then he explains what it is. And he says, this ought not to be the way it is. You are arrogant about this. You should be heartbroken over this. And then he says, let the one, let he who has done this be removed from among you. The language there is you're putting him outside of the church, outside the umbrella of the protection of a local body with the full hope and intention of restoring this person. Mm. And that's the part that many churches miss in discipline. It's not just to punish, but it's ultimately to restore. Yep. And it's to elevate what is holy and righteous and not to tolerate which is unrighteous and unholy. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of misunderstanding about church discipline. And if you're in rebellion and you're not living according to the way of Christ, it's obviously a foolish idea because mm -hmm. you don't want to be confronted. Yeah. But if you are in Christ and you are living, not perfectly, nobody's perfect, but you know, you're repentantly living in the mm -hmm. way of Christ, it's a very logical thing. You know, but so can a non-member be put under church discipline? Yes, but as pastors, you need to be very careful. Yes. Here's what the pastors are trying to do in scripture. They're trying to remove bad influences from inside yes. the body. And in that culture, the best way to do that was to publicly let all the Christians know because it was a small group of Christians mm -hmm. by and large. And sometimes when you have a non-member, you can absolutely 100% scratch the itch without having to have a public statement to the entire church yes. where you open yourself up to lawsuit, where you talk to their their friends and the people in their community group and you just say, look, we're, they're not in good standing. They're, mm -hmm. you know, and you keep it private and you don't publicize it to the whole world because they're not interacting with the whole world. Right. You know, when you have hundreds and hundreds of people in a church, a person's sphere of influence is pretty limited, especially if they're already in this level of mm -hmm. rebellion. Usually their community group leader, the ministry directors that are involved with them and their family need to know in their community group. And beyond that, you really actually do accomplish the entire goal of church discipline without opening yourself up to a lawsuit. Yes. Now, I do hear the problems with what I'm saying, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a quandary that I think I'm still wrestling with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as elders, we'll continue to work through those. Yep. Well, listeners, thanks for joining us today. We're going to go in a little bit of a different direction next time, which the question will be, Will it be possible for us to fall into sin when we're in heaven? Mm -hmm.